don't hear any feedback, so, uh, a little bit. Actually. All right, we'll give that a try. Can you hear me in the back relatively well? Yeah. I'm getting feedback for some reason, so we're trying to find the balance here. Um, all right, so we are continuing on with our discussion of questions in the Gospels. So we are back in John chapter 6 this week. We started it last week, and um, I'll, I'll start with an apology. My wife pointed out last week that I, uh, I, I went a little far with my sanctified imagination about the little lad with the loaves and the fishes, and I didn't really dis, dis, you know, say this was kind of my uh, imagination a little more than... I, I feel like that's kind of what it looked like, but, but the, it, it's not spelled out in Scripture. So it, I was being a little, I was taking some liberties with it, but hopefully not too much. All right, with, uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you once again for your word. We thank you most of all that you came to this earth to live a perfect life and die um, to give us life. We thank you for um, all that you are to us, uh, more than we could ever ask or imagine. Um, and so we just pray that as we come to your word this morning, that you would open our eyes, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, and uh, we would obey. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, we are going to be in John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25, which we read last week. And we're going to go pretty much through the rest of the chapter. Um, so it's a lot of verses. I'm not going to read everything first. We're just going to kind of go through it a little bit at a time. Um, so, and, and I talked last week about the fact that, you know, I felt there were a couple of reasons that John included the feeding of the 5,000 when the Synoptic Gospels had already um, covered it. And I think that the the main reason is, um, is right here, and it's that um, th this argument that Jesus is making wouldn't make a lot of, this whole, this whole thing that's going on wouldn't make sense without the feeding of the 5,000 first. So um, it sets the stage for us. So let me just kind of go through real quickly and set the stage for where we were starting with last week. So a multitude of people have just been fed Jesus fed all these people miraculously. Then Jesus knew they would try to force him to become king, so he withdrew from them. Both he and his disciples end up across the lake at Capernaum. The next morning, the people wake up and start asking, where's that guy who fed us all for free? Um, we need to find that guy, right? They realize he isn't around where they, where they are, so they end up getting into boats and going to Capernaum, and they find Jesus, and that's where we pick this up. So in verse 25, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Do you think this is really the question they want to ask? No. Yeah, what's for breakfast? But to be polite, you have to start with something more generic so that you're not just coming out and going, Hey, it's good to see you. What's for breakfast? Right? Um, where's the next, when and where's the next free meal? That's what they really want to know. So Jesus answers them 
answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So Jesus knows their hearts. Big surprise. Not at all. And he cuts to the chase. I know why you're looking for me. You'll want another free meal. I get it. I understand that. Um, does anyone here like a free meal? Everybody likes a free meal. Absolutely. Especially if you're a bachelor. Am I right? Yeah. Um, I do. I like a free meal. Um, you know, it used to be that, I, was, I remember when we were living in uh, Colorado, there was this guy that worked with up there, and he said, I used to go to those, you know, eat all-you-can-eat buffets, and I think, man, I'm getting, it, I'm getting to them, you know? And uh, he's like, I'm getting older now, and I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I, I feel like I'm not getting my money's worth anymore, you know? I'm not eating as much as I used to. We all like that free food. Have you ever fed someone lunch without asking them to pay for it, whether it's a, you know, feeding them at home or, or taking them to a restaurant, whatever? Um, here, let me feed you. Great, thank you. Um, how does it feel when they come back at supper time and say, what are we having? <laughs> I haven't had <laughs> if, you know, They just come back expecting you to feed them again. Now, I'm not talking about your kids. <laughs> yeah. Children, that we, yeah, children, we know that's coming, right? They're, they're going to ask, Mom, what's for dinner? But when it's an adult who should be able to feed themselves, and they come and go, what else you got for me? How does that feel? Doesn't feel real good, does it? Verse 27, Jesus says, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Do not work, do not strive for earthly food. Why not? Why not? It doesn't last, right? Who had breakfast here this morning? Well, no, sorry. Who here had breakfast? <laughs> Who's planning on having lunch, right? So... We know that I can, eat lunch, I can eat breakfast this morning, but I'm going to need to eat again, and I'm going to need to get, you know. Now, we may not need to eat three meals a day, but it's what we're accustomed to. Um, but even if we only eat today, we're going to probably need to eat tomorrow at the very least, right? Um, so it's going to leave you hungry again. Whatever I put in my mouth, I'm going to end up, it's only going to last me so long. Jesus is offering something much better. How much time and energy do, do we spend thinking about food, about our next meal? Some of us are thinking about lunch while we're eating breakfast. Maybe even thinking about what we'll have for supper, right? And it's not just food. We spend a lot of time thinking about our physical needs and how we can fulfill those, how I can fulfill my, my physical needs. Contrast that to how much time you think Spend thinking about your sanctification, about becoming more like Christ. It doesn't work out real well. The scale is not tipped in the right direction, I know for me. So 28, therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? So they're going, okay, you, this is what you said. We're responding, yes. What do we have to do so that we can get more food? Um, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, 
What then do you do for a sign, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. The food keeps coming up. What's their focus? What kind of sign are they looking for? They want another meal. Are they listening to anything he's saying, really? No. Not really. Only the parts that suggest what they need to say so that they will get more free food. It's really pretty bald-faced. It's, it's ugly. How much more proof do they need of who Jesus is? These were the people that got fed once, right? They were there. They saw this happen. Why do I need to do this again? Because we're hungry again. How many times did Jesus have to perform for them before they will listen to him and not just demand things from him? Verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Do you think they're starting to get that Jesus is talking about something spiritual? Or do you assume they're still focused on physical bread and physical provision? Physical, physical right? Um, now, they may be starting to think, well, there's some magical characteristic about this bread. You know, they're, they're starting to go, okay, well, great. If it's this magical bread, give us that all the time. Sure, we'll take that instead. Um, sure, you know, keep feeding us, whatever that looks like. Um, it, it actually, when you, when you start reading through this and think about it, it's very much like the woman at the well where Jesus is talking about this water that I will give you that will keep you satisfied, right? Um, that you don't have to keep, you know, she's going, great, I don't have to keep coming back to the well. No, it's spiritual. It's not physical. I'm not talking about you not having to come back to the water. Yeah, your body's still going to need water. You're still going to need food. This is something more. Um, so they say, yes, give us this bread. Jesus says, okay. Verse 35, he said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. So what's Jesus saying here? We know He's not talking about physical bread. What's He talking about? Belief. Hmm? Belief. Belief. Faith. Salvation. What's the answer? What's that? Eternal. Eternal life. What's the answer to the, the problem these people have? Jesus is the answer. What they need, what they keep looking for, is something to fill their belly. 
the physical, they're so concerned, they're so focused on the physical, unlike us, um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that, but they were. They were very much so. Um, yeah, they're focused on the physical, as we are focused on the physical much too often. But what their need was, was Jesus. Um, he's saying, I am the answer. I will satisfy those who seek me. I will save those who believe in me. I will keep hold of those who want me. Those who belong to me have nothing to fear. I'm the answer. What you're looking for is right here. This is what, I, this is what you're looking for. Um, what did the crowd hear? Verse 41, Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he, know, how does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? What were they grumbling about? Okay, him claiming to be God. Why? They're still hungry. What was that? Yeah, they didn't believe he was. What did they believe about him? Yeah, he could feed them. But it's interesting how their, their perspective on him seems to be changing here. What do they say? Is this not Jesus, the son of who? Son of Joseph. Not son of God. But what do we know about Joseph? What did they know about Joseph? He was a carpenter. He married Mary. Mary. So either he was fooling around with her or she was fooling around with somebody else and then he was stupid enough to marry her, right? That's what we know about, that's what they know about Joseph. That's what they believe about Joseph. No. Yeah, they, they don't forget those things. That, that's very much their, that's still on their radar. Oh, this is that kid that was, you know, born out of wedlock, you know, um, to, you know, this two, these two people, you know, he, he's not that. God? <laughs> no, clearly not. That's not where God comes from. God, that's not who God is. We know who God is. We know what God, and God would not have anything to do with something like that. That's their perspective. Um, you know, you're just an average Joe. With a terrible backstory, by the way. You know, Joseph's son, wink, wink. Is that what they thought of him yesterday with full bellies? No, their perspective has totally changed. Yesterday, they were ready to make him king. They were ready to treat him like royalty because he fed them. Jesus offered them so much more. Eternal life. Life with the Father. Life abundant. But they tripped over the stumbling stone. the rock of offense. He didn't fit into their mold of what the Messiah should look like, what his lineage should be, so they grumbled about him. So in verse 43, Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. 
Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus puts a lot of good stuff in that long paragraph right there. There's, it's packed full of stuff. And where are they stuck? They're still stuck on food. They're still stuck on the bread. So he tells them not to grumble. About what? What were they grumbling about? Where their food was. But what, what was it that previously in verse 42 or 41, what were they grumbling about? Who he is. Who he is. They're going, well, no, you can't be who you say you are. Um, he's saying, don't be grumpy about who I'm claiming to be. Either you will believe or you won't. You will or you won't. Some will hear the Father drawing them, while others, because of their pride, will not. I think it really comes down to spiritual blindness. I'm going to develop that idea a little bit more here in a bit. But Jesus is very clearly saying, you'll either believe in me or you won't. I'm not going to waste my breath on those who will not believe. I'm talking to, the, to those who will. I'm weeding out the non-believers. It's really, when it comes down to it, it's not very seeker-friendly, according to the current definition of seeker-friendliness. Jesus is not going, let's make sure nobody walks away without you know, feeling good about themselves. Um, so verse 52, then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is the point where if you're focused on being seeker-friendly, you're supposed to start backpedaling and say, wait, you don't understand. Um, I didn't mean it that way. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he doubles down and says, oh, good, they're finally listening. Let me really expose their spiritual blindness. I finally got their attention. Now, now we can go somewhere. Now we can get somewhere with this whole thing. So... Verse 53, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true, true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats, who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Does this make you uncomfortable? Does it make you squirm? It does. I we don't want to think about eating anybody's flesh and drinking their blood. That's not a pleasant, pleasant thought. That's gross. It's abhorrent in the physical realm, right? The Old Testament law prohibits even drinking an animal's blood, much less a human's blood. So you can imagine these people's reaction. This is bad. 
But of course, we know what he's talking about. We understand that he had to sacrifice himself in order for us to get forgiveness, or in order for us to, be, to, to receive true life. It couldn't happen without him dying, without him giving his body and his blood. So verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Yeah? Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Jesus makes it very clear. He says, I'm not talking about everyone sitting down to dine on my physical flesh. That's gross. I get that. I understand that. I am talking about spiritual food. True life-giving sustenance. He's talking about starting with our spiritually dead selves and bringing us back to life. Giving us true life by his sacrifice of his physical body. That's where he's going. That's what he's talking about. Yes, the sacrifice, the giving of his physical body is necessary and will happen. That part is coming. Why? Because we need the bread and wine of his flesh and blood to be sacrificed for us so that we can experience true life, so we can have true sustenance. So then verse 64, But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him, granted to him from the Father. So I want to pause here for a second and talk about spiritual blindness. This is something I think the Lord kind of pointed out to me this week. Um, so back in verse 44, it, we read that the Father draws, and then here in verse 65, the, the Father grants. Um, look at John chapter 9. Turn over there right quick. John chapter 9 is um, the story of the, man, the healing of the man born blind which is absolutely one of my favorite stories, and we will definitely, if the Lord allows, we will get there and, and study through that. But at the very end of that chapter, the last two verses, this is what it says. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin, but since you say, We see, your sin remains. I believe the Father is drawing I believe he is drawing, he, he extends an, an invitation to everyone. There is no one who does not receive that invitation or that that invitation is not extended toward. He doesn't pick and choose. He does not send Jesus for just a few, not just the elect, but the only ones who will recognize it are the ones who recognize that they are blind and they will be drawn they will accept the invitation. They will hear the Father granting them the opportunity to come to Jesus. The opportunity is there for everyone. Jesus died for all. But not everybody is ever going to, not everyone is going to recognize that they have an, a, a sin problem and, and come to that, that place. The Pharisees believed they could see. That's the point in, in, verse, in chapter 9. They're like, we see just fine. We're, we have great spiritual vision. 
We can see perfectly. We can tell you all these different things. Um, in their arrogance, they said, I have, I have spiritual sight. Let me tell you what I know. Let me impress you with my knowledge. Impress you how little knowledge you have. Let me lead you into the truth because I know what truth is. And I know you can't find it without me. That was their arrogance. And as long as anyone remains in that state of arrogance, they will never hear the invitation. They will never feel the Father drawing them. On the contrary, those who have sufficient humility to recognize their blindness, their poverty, their brokenness, they're the ones who hear the call of the Father. They feel him drawing them. He grants the humble the opportunity to know him. He's opposed to the proud, opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That grace allows them to hear the calling to come to Jesus, the one who gives true sight to those who acknowledge their blindness. Jesus was not going to and still does not chase after those who feel sufficient in their, in, um, in their arrogance, which is why he said, there are some of you who do not believe. He knew that. He still knows that. So he's, he's like, I'm not chasing after those who are just in it for the argument. They just get a kick out of the, the interchange. I'm here for the people who actually want something, who actually are, recognize they, they don't have, they're, they're insufficient on their own. Um, I, I meant to look it up and I forgot to, but there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that basically says, you know, God's looking for the person who recognizes that, that they can't handle it. They, they, they're un, insufficient on their own. The one who says, I'm good, he's like, good, go for it, great, have at it. But the one who recognizes he cannot handle, that, that he's got a bigger plateful than what he can deal with, and he needs God, that's the one God is seeking. All right, that was my little diatribe. Anybody want to discuss that one? Questions, comments before we move on? I've been talking a lot this morning, so... I think it's, it's, a, it's a really amazing picture where Jesus is going to speak the truth to them. But the truth is going to sound impossible because in their sin, they've got this incredible faith in sincerity of motive. And like, surely if I've set the bar this low, I can clear it. So why do I need anything? Right. And Jesus is going to tell them, like, that's not righteousness as God defines it. Right. And so in order to prepare them, <coughs> I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to be able to believe because of where you're at. However, there is a sign that happens, and you are going to believe the sign is from God. Right. So if the sign is from God, and I'm speaking nonsense, what are you going to believe? Because this is the same thing that I faced Abraham with. Take your son, your only son. Right. So who's right? Is it who you're hearing from, or is it you? And that's that's the, the stumbling block. Right. Is that they have confidence in themselves. Right. They, they Right, right, yeah. This doesn't fit, right. And, but I think yep. what's amazing, as frustrating as that is, just the moment before I say, oh, and I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what's amazing is, is that he knows all of this is how it's going to play out. Right. He doesn't reject us to begin with, and in the middle of this pigheadedness, he doesn't reject us. Right, he right. He continues to show grace. Yeah. Yeah. Tom? Right. Even, even 
even the disciples were like, well, where would we go? Right. You know, and, and the faith statement that Peter ends up making was given by the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and it does look like all those people were looking for men. Right. Yeah, that'd be great. Sure. Every day we'd have food yeah. from heaven. Uh, Sign me up. I didn't get it. You know, I, it's, it's kind of exciting to, to think. Um, I think it'd be like me when one day the Holy Spirit did right. show me, no, 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 your sin is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not as good as you think it is. Right. And, um, you know, because the Holy Spirit had not come, so if the disciples who were mm-hmm. with him that day, we're unsure. What about those five thousand? Right. So when when he did predict the sign of his death and resurrection, and then he did die and was resurrected, the Holy Spirit came. Right. Wow, how many people did the Lord open their eyes right. of those five thousand? Right. And that's what he was talking about. Right. Yeah, it's hard to say. And the real bread is Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let me move on and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with some more because I, I, see, I see Peter's answer a little differently. Um, and we can argue that if we want to. But um, so verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away also? You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I, I, really, I really appreciate Peter's response. Um, and I feel like sometimes that, that is the, the response of my heart. Um, Jesus has just been talking about something incredibly difficult. Now we, sitting in this room, we have the advantage of we're 2,000 years later. We've got all the scripture. We've studied it. We've read it. There's been a multitude of men and women who have studied the word before us, and they've written commentaries, and they've written things. And we, you know, So we have all this knowledge. We see it from a different perspective than what Peter did. And as Tom said, we have the Holy Spirit, which these guys didn't have. Um, so we, uh, you know, from our perspective, we say, of course, it's simple. I get it. You know, why didn't they? It's, it's easy to say that. Um, what I hear oozing from Peter's reply, I hear faith. Um, from what I see in him, I see that Jesus could have said, the sky is green and the grass is blue. And, you know, I think Peter's response would have been, well, okay, I guess I've had it wrong all along. Because Jesus said it, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, he, you know it, it's got to be right. But what would cause him to say something like that? What do you, where do you have to be in order to say something like, okay, you know? 
That, that helps. Yeah. Walking on water is not a bad thing. That, that can build some faith. He was there for the feeding of the 5,000. I think, I think he has real faith in Jesus. Faith that was completely other um, than himself. And I think, I think there's humility. I see humility in this. Peter recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. Whether he understood that that meant Jesus was equal to the Father, if he understood that Jesus was part of the you know, Godhead or not, I don't know, but he understood Jesus was the Son of God. Um, yes, yeah, this is the Messiah who we've been looking for. Um, I think Peter understood his spiritual blindness, and he recognized Jesus' perfect spiritual sight. So that caused him to accept whatever crazy things Jesus said as clear, clearly having to be, tr to be true, and that requires humility. Um, and this, when I read this, I think about this kind of informs, or this kind of is how when I go to the Scripture, when I go to the Scripture and I come across something that doesn't seem to fit with my theology or with you know, whatever I've kind of built up in my mind, you know, we have a choice when that happens, don't we? What are our choices? We can reject what we've read or we can reject what we've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and sometimes it's, you know, we can dig deeper and sometimes digging deeper doesn't help because obviously there are some things that are just outside of us, some things that are beyond us, right? Some things the Lord says, you don't really need to know that, you know? But sometimes we come across things and it's like, I'm not sure how this all fits in. Um, and some people will try to, you know, we'll, we'll end up with this crazy theology of, you know, this and that and these things fit together. And you're like, that's a really weird looking creature you've just created. But they're trying to fit all these things in. Um, but there are some things that I go, I'm not going to have all the answers. There's going to be some things that I go, I'm not sure exactly where that fits. You know, we talk about, um, I mentioned election earlier, and, and, you know, clearly there's a distinction between election and free will and, and you know, these things. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, I, I think that it's like, yes, we absolutely have free will, and yes, God chooses, but what does he choose? And, and, and we get caught and we go, well, I've got to get on this camp or I've got to get in this camp, you know? Well, I think that probably the truth is a little closer to the middle somewhere, you know. What does it all look like? Well, I don't know. He says both, you know. So, what, how, well, it's not clearly not one, clearly not the other. So sometimes there's things like when Jesus says, I'm, I'm the bread and you've got to eat my body and drink my blood, and Peter's going, that doesn't make any sense because the Old Testament says don't do that. But Jesus said it, and I trust Jesus. I know who he is, I've, I've seen him, and, and this doesn't make a lick of sense, but because it's Jesus, I'm going to say, okay. Um, so all I'm just, I'm just trying to say that when I go to the scripture and I, and I read, it's like, I want to 
I don't want to go with my arrogance. I don't want to take my arrogance to the scripture and say, well, I've, I've learned this from this professor and from this you know, teacher and this theologian and this, you know, and so this is, this is what my theology is based on is these, these people and this, you know, this system or, you know, this man who's, you know, got this whole system named after him or whatever, that I want to be seeking Jesus. And sometimes the things that I've learned, some, you know, there's things that I've got in my head that I've learned, you know, 50 years ago or 40 years ago or, you know, whatever. And where did those things come from? I don't remember, you know, but I heard them somewhere at some point. And if those things get contradicted by the word of God, am I, which, which one am I holding on to? And that's what Lugie was getting at. I've got to, I've got to say, okay, does the scripture, you know, that doesn't fit with what I've got so far, am I going to figure out how to make that fit? You know, I, I kind of went off the tracks there. Um, if we understood everything that God said, we'd be God. Gwen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When things don't make sense, yeah, come back, come back around to the book, right? Um, you're right. We we often look, and and I, I just love his statement. You know, um, where else would I go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We see this, you know. I don't understand it all. I don't need to understand it all. In my humility, I can say, I don't understand it all. All right, I, I, again, I kind of went off. So thoughts, questions, contradictions, I'm okay. I'm, believe me, I understand I'm not right about everything. Yeah, Tom? Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 mm -hmm. says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Yeah. Yeah. Good verse. Yeah. So he is protecting Yeah. There's some things that he's like, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because we say, well, when I get to heaven, I'll understand these things. I'm not going to understand it all. If you understand it all, you're God, you know. So there's limits. Right. That's me up here, just so you know. <laughs> but the expectation is, is that when you know, then you can go forward. And the Lord's saying, like, you're not going to get it and go forward anyway. Right. And it's like, well, then how are we going forward? How can we possibly go forward? And it's supposed to be a statement of, therefore, I can't. He's like, no, it's because of me. Focus on me. I know you're incompetent. Right. And that's okay. Don't yeah. be afraid of that. I know that you're but dust. I get that. Right. I, I, I'm not impressed by you, you know. Uh, Max, real quick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was not omniscient on earth. He wasn't omnipresent, as we said last week, you know. So on this earth, he didn't know everything. He was submitted to the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit let him know what he needed to know. Um, I feel like Peter's response here, too, is a very childlike response. Right. Yes. 
with you. Yeah. Yeah. And there are many times in my relationship with the Lord that I've gotten to that point where I don't understand. Right. Um, but I have to make peace with the fact that I don't understand. Yeah. And he's okay with the fact that I don't understand. Yeah, he, he knew you weren't going to understand from the beginning. Yeah. Right? You know, so he's like, that's, that's okay. Yeah. You know, but yeah, for us, it's, it's difficult to get there. Gwen? Also, the last of the is we, we come to believe in God. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a growing thing. So it's not like, oh, we can't understand, we shouldn't look at it. Not at all. I mean, God wants us to pursue those things, knowing that, okay, maybe now I won't. Now I won't. And oh, all of a sudden I do. Right. Which goes back to Tom's thing earlier that, you know, how many of these 5,000 after Jesus dies and is resurrected, they go, Oh, the light bulb goes on. I remember that. You know, no word of his returns on you know, returns void. So, yeah, there's that's the reality as well. Yeah. Anything else? All right. Here's my conclusion. Um, some questions, some thoughts, um, and this is just kind of from the whole thing. So, uh, what do your prayers tend to center around? The physical or the spiritual? Mostly the physical. Do they center around your earthly needs or your spiritual? Your, your physical healing or your sanctification? Becoming more like Christ? What do your prayers say about where your heart is? I think we all can be really guilty of focusing on the physical stuff. Um, and it's not that he doesn't care about the physical stuff. And it's not, you know, he fed the 5,000. But he's like, I'm not just going to keep feeding you. There's more. We need to go deeper than just food, right? There, there is more, and I offer more. Um, you know, and, and as the verse we're very familiar with from Matthew, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things that he's talked about, that he takes care of the birds and the grass, and you know, he, he feeds them, he takes care of all those things. They're not worried about those things. We don't need to worry about those things either. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He'll take care of all the other stuff. Um, how many times do we need to be miraculously provided for and taken care of by the Lord for us to no longer demand another sign to prove his love for us? Do we believe in his love for us? What's the undisputable proof that Jesus loves you? Hmm? Yeah. If you ever wonder, you just look at the cross. If he went to the cross for us, that's pretty powerful love, right? He loves us. Um, Jesus doesn't conform. He's not what we expect. He's often not what we want him to be. Because oftentimes we just really want Santa Claus, right? Or a genie in a bottle. We want somebody who's just going to give us what we want when we want it and everything will be great. That's not Jesus. His will is perfect. His love is perfect, even when we don't see it that way. The Father draws everyone. His offer is for everyone, but not everyone can hear him because they're making too much of their own noise. Many expect or desire God to make a big fuss. 
And sometimes he does. Other times we just hear his still, small voice. Yes, he can rend the mountains apart with no effort, but he will often speak in a whisper. That is just what we need to hear, but if we're filling our world with noise, we probably won't hear him. I'm thinking of that picture of Elijah standing at the, at the mouth of the cave, and you know God says, here I come, and it, he's, not in the no, he's not in the earthquake and the wind, and the, it's this gentle breeze, and that's when God shows up. We should all be seeker-friendly in that we should all love our neighbor, but when it comes down to compromising the truth, that's not friendly. That's not loving. Compromising the truth is not that. And when God is harsh, we dare not try to soften his harshness. He knows hearts. We don't. All right. Those are my thoughts. Any other questions, comments? Jeff, are you crazy or something? I'll take any of that. All right. Lugie, will you pray for us? Amen. You can be praying for the His Hill students this week. They're on their mission trip, so be thinking of them. Be more room for seating this morning. <laughs>